When children are little, they have a lot of needs. Naturally enough, little children look to their parents to meet those needs. Before they can speak, they cry until they get fed or get a diaper changed. Once they learn to speak, please is one of the first words we teach kids because we know they will need that word a lot since they have to ask parents for so much. But later, kids become more self-sufficient and later still they are independent. But if there is love, then the kids will still want to just simply be with their parents. They don't need anything. They just want to be with them out of love and respect. Today on Groundwork, we continue to look at the Lord's Prayer and see that long before we ask God for anything, we simply want to focus on God and God's ways. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in episode two of our six-part series on the Lord's Prayer and in the first episode, we talked about how Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's very interesting that he would have us acknowledge God before we ask for anything in prayer. It is. And we talked about how radical it was that uh, we address the God of the galaxies in an intimate way, Abba, Father, Daddy even, and how the first petition, hallowed be your name, is is really reminding us that we have to live in ways that preserve the holiness of God's name. But now uh, we're moving on to the second petition, but it's still not a petition about us. Right. right. Hallowed be your name was focusing on God's name. And now for Matthew 6.10, the line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one thing to note right up front here, Daryl, sometimes the way we say this prayer, we think that the line, your will be done, is the only thing that applies to on earth as it is in heaven. But actually both of these are on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The on earth as it is in heaven goes with both of these petitions. The kingdom of God is above us already in heaven, and the will of God is done in heaven, and we want both realities to keep breaking into this reality on earth as it already is in heaven. And this prayer is actually reminding us that Prayer, number one, is a way to communicate with God, and we're taught to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, and we're taught to pray continually. Mm -hmm. So even though God has sovereignty over his decisions and we don't make God do anything, what we see here is that we're acknowledging that we want God's agenda before we ask for anything. So hold up on the gimme list, hold up on the request, Mm -hmm. and they may be important, but what's more important is who God is and what he wants done first. That's why we acknowledge it first. So the first thing we do is remind ourselves that God's name is holy, and we need to act in ways that keep it that way. And the second thing we're reminded of is God's agenda, not ours, right? We are going to get to some requests, daily bread, forgiveness. We're going to get to requests, yep, that, that are more about us and our lives. But first things first, the holiness of God's name, and now the kingdom of God and the will of God We just want to know who God is and see that God breaking into our reality as much as possible before we ask for anything for ourselves. If you think about governance, the word kingdom, your kingdom come, I think sometimes it can be a little confusing because we live in a democratic society in the United States. We vote for our officials and things of that nature. It's not a monarchy like it is in in Great Britain. But if you think about kingdoms, it really is an environment or a place that is ruled under the rule of the king. Even though the king can do whatever he pleases or the queen can do whatever she pleases, they are supposed to act in the best interest of the people who are their subjects. And as 
our heavenly father is the king, then he by excellent nature of his character is always going to be benevolent, always going to be the one providing and always going to be the one looking out for the best interests of the people who serve him. I like what the writer Dallas Willard wrote in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, years ago. Where is the kingdom of God present? Dallas Willard said that a kingdom is that place, that sphere where the will of the king calls the shots. And that's what we're praying for. We want God's kingdom to come in the sense that he's calling the shots in our lives, and we are doing what God, our king, wants. Uh, So, you know, we think of uh, Matthew 6 is where we learn the Lord's Prayer, but a little bit later uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you as well. So seek the kingdom above all, Jesus says. And so all the other things that will be added are actually what Jesus lists when he talks about the verses that come after. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And he goes on to say, you know, don't run around saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? Your Father in heaven knows you need all these things, but seek first that kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. And, of course, the kingdom of God, Daryl, was the first thing Jesus said. In Matthew 4, after John the Baptist gets put into prison, Jesus begins his public ministry. And what's the very first thing he says in Matthew 4? From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is right here. It is available right now. So grab onto it. Again, Dallas Willard in that book, The Divine Conspiracy, I love the image he used where he said that it was sort of like when they did rural electrification in the United States. For the first time in rural areas, they ran electrical lines down the road, right? Somebody could point to the wires and say, behold, electricity is at hand. Behold, electricity is near. And then people had to tap into it, right? But a lot of people didn't dare do it. They thought electricity would burn their house down. It was dangerous to bring to their house. So they kept lighting candles and doing laundry by hand. Eventually, their neighbors convinced them, look, electricity is at hand. It's right there. It's safe. And then they tapped in. And that's what Jesus is saying. It was his first message. The kingdom of God is right here. It's close. Get in on it. It's beautiful because the kingdom is the way that things were supposed to be before the fall. Right. And this is the kingdom that fully will be established at the end of all things when Jesus returns. But we can see glimpses of it and we can actually plug into God's agenda by praying this prayer and by living in the way he has called us to live. So it's really powerful that we can see that God's way of doing things is the best way of doing things. And when we want to align ourselves ourselves with his will, we do that by starting this prayer this way. Exactly. In the beginning, there was shalom. In the beginning, there was the Garden of Eden, uh, was in a sense the kingdom of God. Uh, it's the place where God dwelled and where God's will called the shots. Again, Dallas Willard's definition of what is a kingdom. 
we fell away from that. So now we pray, first of all, Lord, help me be a kingdom citizen every day. I'm a citizen, and I, you know, I got two passports, United right. States and kingdom of God, and I want to show my kingdom of God citizenship in how I live every day. So that's what the second petition. We first ask for God's name to stay holy, then we ask for God's kingdom to come, and next up, the will of God. We'll look at that in just a moment, so stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, and we have been talking about the section of the Lord's Prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to talk about in this segment, how do we do that in practical ways, and how do we live as if we believe that the kingdom has come and what his will needs to be in our lives And this is a reminder that we need to be on the same page as God and his agenda for our lives. And we want to live, traditional phrase, karam deo, before the face of God. And we want to reflect that God in our lives by being kingdom citizens. So your kingdom come on earth as it is already in heaven. Now your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And and we're reminded, I think, through this, Daryl, that we made the example a minute ago to like electrical lines. Electricity is at hand. It's right there. It's right above you. Tie in. And we're reminded that we tie in to what's going on in heaven all the time. We did a series on Revelation a while back. And we looked at those early songs in Revelation 4 and 5, giving glory to God. We can remember these. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And we said, this isn't a vision of the future. John was shown what was happening in heaven right now. Real time. Real time. We want our lives to tie in with that on this side of the divide. The worship of God is going on right now, and we want to show that in our lives. It's beautiful because they don't have disputes about this in heaven, Scott. They are already honoring God. They're already giving glory to God. They're laying and falling down in worship. And when we are asking for his will to be done, his kingdom to come on earth. We're trying to align ourselves under and be in agreement with those who are already declaring his name. And as a pastor, when you're going to seminary to become a pastor, especially in my own story of how I learned this in seminary is that the pastor is one of the worship leaders, if not the worship leader. And the role of the pastor is to align us underneath what already is happening in heaven as far as worship and honor and praise to God and allow the sanctuary space to be conducive to that environment so that the people of God here could join into that worship together. So that's how we actually fulfill your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It starts in our worship services. It starts in our hearts hearts and in our lives. And the prayer is designed to remind us of that. Exactly. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. 
And we are called to share that uh, prophet, priest, and king with Jesus. And the priest part, who is the priest? Well, the priest is, is at the intersection point between heaven and earth. The priest is the go-between between heaven and earth. And we are all that go-between for others. We, in our priestly function as disciples of Jesus, we want to connect people to heaven on this earth, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're priests in our lives, and we help people do that. So the pastor is not the only priest. We're actually, all of us are called to be uh, priests who can bring our petitions to God. And this uh, acknowledging of his kingdom coming and his will being done affects our prayer life in practical ways. I was thinking too, Scott, about how sometimes in the United States, we have what is called transactional relationships, Mm -hmm. where if I do this, then I'll get that. If I put this in, I'll get this return on investment back. But when you pray the prayer that says your kingdom come, your will be done, it actually dismantles the transactional relationship because, I mean, if we're honest, um, we don't always need to get everything we ask God for. And if we're honest with ourselves, then when he says we don't need that, it actually is a blessing to us sometimes because our agenda and our motives could be off. But when we ask for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, it realigns our relationship with him and allows him to have the final decision on what we ask for. Not tit for tat. It's not quid pro quo. Uh, It's all God, all God, all the time. We want to live in ways that are transparent to God, to God's kingdom, to God's will. If the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, if God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, it happens through us. This didn't happen just in a vacuum, right? right. This happens in Daryl's life and Scott's life and everybody's life, and that's where that needs to show up. And as you just said, Daryl, it realigns, it decenters our selfish motives, it disarms, it breaks the transactional way we often look at life. And Paul writes about this in Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's where we put our hearts and our minds, Paul says, above where Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. And the reason why we need to do that, because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that since the fall of humanity, our pride, our envy, our greed and all these selfish things are always on a slippery slope towards the wrong way and away from what God wants. And only the Holy Spirit can correct those motives in us. And the prayer can help us to be recentered back to that. And the next thing I was thinking is that when we pray for God's agenda, we want your your kingdom to come, mm. your will to be done. It doesn't reduce God into this genie where he's at our beck and call Mm, and we ask for it and we get it. Your wish is my command. That's not how our God works. And that's not how uh, it would be in the sovereignty of who he is. So it, it actually helps us to focus. Yeah. Before we ask for anything else, we ask God to fill us, keep our minds and our hearts above uh, where Christ is seated, not on earthly things, because, right, as you say, this isn't a, a magic Aladdin's lamp, right, where we rub the lamp, get a genie, and make three wishes of things that we want. What the prayer is doing here by this petition, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven, is it's telling us what we want. <laughs> We're not telling God what we want. God is telling us what we want, and what we want is God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. Do not love the world, 1 John 2, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. You can't do both. 
John says, you can't fully love the Father and the world at the same time. It doesn't work. So when we followed that scripture and we prayed God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we actually find that in praying that we resist the world's agenda and we resist what the world says is important. The world will tell you to put yourself first. The world will tell you to step on everyone else to get what Mm. you want. But when we say, no, we want your agenda, God, we want your will. It is a resistance to the pattern of this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. And so we need to remember that. And this will uproot these things from our hearts. But as we wrap up this episode, we want to look at how practically this applies to our lives. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're talking about the uh, second petition of the Lord's Prayer, Your Kingdom Come, Your Will Be Done. And both of those things we pray will happen on earth as it is in heaven. But what does this mean for us practically, Daryl? I mean, as we think about our lives of discipleship, uh, what's the so what of all this? I think one of the things is, Scott, this prayer in and of itself is a model. So whether you know how to pray or whether you don't know how to pray, whether you know what you should say or you don't know what you should say, you can literally take this verse and pray it and say, okay, this is the model that Jesus said to pray. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray it. And you would actually be in solidarity with churches who've been doing this for centuries. And even in worship services is really beautiful and touching when everyone is saying the prayer Mm. at the same time in solidarity as the body of Christ. They've done it in many languages and they've done it in many countries. And it's really great to actually remember this prayer as a model. It reminds us that in all of our praying, what the goal is is kind of to decenter ourself, to center us on God instead, right? Because what we're doing in this first part of the prayer by asking these things to keep God's name holy, to bring the kingdom, to bring God's will through us, is we're realigning our sensibilities, we're realigning our goals. And what it adds up to, Daryl, I think, is just a desire to be with God and be like God and be content with God even before we ask for things. I love Psalm 131, such a beautiful psalm. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And I love my, my teacher, David Hallward, uh, talked about this prayer. Uh, and a weaned child isn't looking to be with its mother to get milk. A weaned child isn't with its mother to get something. 
uh, as we said at the beginning of this episode, you know, if there's love, then long after we're adults and we are independent and we don't need our parents to provide us with everything like we did when we were little, but we still go to be with them. If there's a good relationship, it's enough just to be with them. And that's what the goal is. And that's what's being built in us through this first part of the Lord's Prayer. To be that weaned child who just wants to be with God out of sheer love and affection. And being with God and being in God and the fellowship of God, that actually is patterned in this psalm that you read because you see that it's not the exact model that Jesus said to do, but it's in the format and template of what Jesus right. said to do, which is what I would encourage people to do, even if they don't pray the Lord's Prayer verbatim, that structure is still there, honoring God and being in God's presence. I pray a prayer like that in my own life. and Most of the time when I pray, I say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the point you bring us in our walk with you. And we just want to acknowledge you You are in complete control of every situation. You're not in heaven twiddling your thumbs, wondering what's going to happen next, but you know exactly what you're doing. You had a date on the calendar for this very moment. You're the author and the finisher of my faith and also the sustainer of it. And you're faithful to complete the work you started in us. Now, I say all of that before I get into my Mm. requests, my petitions, because it grounds me, it centers me me and the fact that I don't need to be afraid because he's in control and it makes me understand that his will and his agenda and his character are the foreground and the foundation for everything I need to ask for. And, you know, we said in the first uh, episode of this series, Darrell, that the uh, Reformed confessional document, the Heidelberg Catechism, defines prayer as the biggest part of the gratitude we owe to God. Why do we pray? To say thank you, which some people might think is a little bit odd because a lot of people think of prayer as asking, asking, asking. Well, how does asking for stuff become a way of saying thank you? It seems like it's the opposite, but no, it isn't because we know who God is. We know God's character. We know he is the one. So everything you prayed in that prayer that you've written for yourself, it's rooting you, first of all, in God and realigning um, your desires and your sensibility. It's all about who God is and what God has done. Speaking of who God is and all he has done, that's another way to pray. You can literally look into the scriptures and see verses that display God's character, actions, Mm. words, and attributes and pray them back to him. Mm. So like, for example, Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I can say, God, because you are creator, you created all these things Mm. and they belong to you. You also created me. I thank you for how you designed me. If we see that it says, holy, 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 we could also say, well, let's join the angels and say, you're holy, God. That's what I'd like to do in my prayer. So we can look at scripture and get some information and inspiration on how to pray. I like that. In seminary, you, you learn about the attributes of God, and those are things like faithfulness, goodness, love, mercy, grace. And yeah, I like that, Daryl, to populate our prayers with praising God for those attributes, praising God for who God is. You know, we said in the first program, and we maybe will say it throughout this series, that old line, prayer changes us. It may change God, you know, We again, long debates about that. But one thing we do know is that prayer changes us. The regular discipline of praying forms our sensibilities. Um, They are what uh, the philosopher James K.A. Smith calls habits, uh, habitus. Uh, It's a habit, uh, a way of thinking consistently, and praying the attributes to God back to God is a way of reminding ourselves who God is. 
Oh, I love it. And and also I was looking at an old book by A.W. Tozer called Knowledge of the Holy, where he talks mm-hmm. about all of these attributes of God. And that book actually sent me into worship because it's like, oh, I could pray about God's holiness. I could pray about his omnipotence. I could pray about his omnipresence, even in my life and everywhere else. And when you look in scripture, you see that God is good. You see that God is holy. You see that God is righteous. And, and you know what else is that prayer is so important that Jesus didn't stop praying when he left here. He's literally... Mm-hmm on the right hand of the Father right now praying for us as a model and as a person who knows prayer works. We're invited into that together with this prayer. When Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, the disciples were sad. He said, don't be. You should be glad I'm going to be there because I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be bringing everything to the Father. And so in the Lord's Prayer, uh, we align ourselves with the kingdom of God. We align ourselves with the will of God. We align ourselves with the holiness of God so that those things can be shown in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, Give Us Today Our Daily Bread. Connect with us now at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources for nurturing your faith. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.